This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. I have been extremely lucky on my journey with this podcast to chat with some really amazing people. And new people come to the podcast every week to listen. And so what we want to do with these lessons is take the little golden nuggets, the really important pieces of each conversation and bring them back to life for you. So hopefully it can change your mind, affect the way you think, or potentially give you a solution to a problem you're facing right now. We're living in a world, so there's two problems with marketing at the moment. About 50% of those that do marketing don't have any kind of training in marketing. Hence my, my love that you've done some Section 4 stuff. That's a problem because when you're a consumer, you think marketing is advertising, the tip of the spear. If you haven't been trained in marketing, what you don't realize is it's the tip of a very long spear that goes a long way back. Yeah? And the way to think about what marketing is, is it's really three things. It's first of all, the diagnosis and understanding of the market. No one else in a company does that, right? Understands what does the customer want, what do they think, right? Sales guys don't, don't do that, that's not what they do. And from that knowledge of the market, being able to build a marketing strategy to say, right, we should target these guys with this message, with these objectives, that strategy, yeah? Broader strategy has a wider definition, but marketing strategies, we, I've just been doing it today. Who are we targeting, what's our position, and what are our objectives? You got that, you got a strategy. You have to have that before you do any tactical execution. Mm-hmm. And the problem with most untrained marketers is they start with Instagram and work backwards. You know what I mean? It's TikTok and I'm done. Do you know what I mean? There's two problems with that. You haven't got a strategy, so you don't really know what you're trying to say or who you're trying to go after. And second, communications, all of it, is only one quarter of the tactical execution of marketing. So proper marketers are doing price, product development, distribution, as well as comms. Shit marketers are just doing comms. Now, if you think about what I've just described, we've got diagnosis, we've got strategy, we've got tactics, and a quarter of tactics is communications. So that's a quarter of a third, yeah? Tactics are a third of marketing. Comms is a quarter of tactics. That's about 8% of marketing. What we have in Australia and elsewhere are marketers who are doing 8% of what marketing's meant to be. And it isn't right, you know? And it's the Gary V's of the world who have shared this viewpoint, who are happy to teach marketing without ever being taught marketing first, yeah? It's a dangerous situation. I mean, I, I speak bad French, right? If I suddenly turn around and said, you know what? With my bad French, I think I'm going to create a new version of French, a new dictionary of French. People would laugh at me because, well, you don't speak proper French, but we allow this in marketing. People that don't know marketing properly and haven't been taught it by people smarter than them um, are rewriting the books without knowing the books first. It's a real problem. Mm. <clears throat> so my question... So... I guess my question, the, the follow-up question that I would have for that is what, what's the fundamental human flaw mm. that gets people into that position? So, so, like, you know, I have a belief that people undervalue ideas, massively undervalue ideas, sure. and that's why the back end of the spear that you were just talking about is so underappreciated you know yeah. and that's i mean that would fundamentally come from your what you're saying is yeah. like 
they don't have the training to recognize that. That's right. Um, how, so fundamental, like, so that, that, what is that fundamental human flaw? Like, and why do people listen to the? I mean, look, why do people listen to the Gary Vees? And and and, you know, if you're mm. a business owner out there and you don't have these trainings, like, what what do you need to be careful of? Well, there's two problems with the tip of the spear. It it is the most visible part of marketing, and it is the one that appears to deliver ROI and money. Yeah, at least superficially. So there's an easy. Um, ability to see that that's everything but the main problem is ignorance once you get someone for a day and you explain this and I've, it's happened to me a hundred times I mean I think Gary Vee's a very impressive guy I don't read his marketing knowledge but I can take a Gary Vee lover give me eight hours with them and they don't hate Gary Vee but they understand where he's you know why he's only eight percent of the story you know what I mean so it, it's mostly just ignorance and a, a little bit of training so that we can give you, you know, linguistic French. Now you can go out and speak proper French. Do you know what I mean? So that, that's, what, that's the real problem. Education has got this dirty reputation now. I mean, these guys on Twitter that will say, I never went to business school. I've learned everything I need to learn about marketing from these 10 tweets, right? It's very dangerous, right, that we end up in that world because, great, here's 10 tweets, but you... <laughs> You don't need to do down a formal training. Having said that, as we said at the start of this, I do have, the other half of me has great sympathy for these guys who are saying, I'm not going to business school because business school in most university settings now isn't good enough for the people that want to learn. We've let those people down. So there's, there's two sides to that story, right? Mm. Scott Galloway's a good example of someone who's managed to do both, yeah? I think that's, it's a very impressive thing that, that Scott will talk openly about the failings of universities, but still teach at a university and do it in an applied way. That's why, partly why he's such an amazing guy. Um, so, before, I want to... Uh, the next question <coughs> I want to go into is like unpacking um, some of your philosophies and then mm. also the guiding principles and kind of go into... I guess some of those different dimensions that you talked about around, you know, advertising and um, then we yeah, can yeah. marketing and brand. But um, I guess like uh, there's actually no, we'll dive straight into it because okay. otherwise I think we'll get stuck here. Um, I'd love to kind of get an understanding of your philosophies on marketing and, mm -hmm. and um, you know, some of the guiding principles. And, you know, I even preface this as if, if you were walking into a brand new business, mm -hmm. Um, and you kind of had to take over their marketing. Where do we start? And what are some of the big questions we have to answer? Yeah, it's, it, it, it's, um, it, there's a standard journey that we built really out of Harvard in the 1960s and 70s, which is the marketing sequence, right? I, I structure all my courses that way, and I do my consulting that way. It's probably the best way to do it. Uh, and it's kind of a train. I, I used to teach it as a train track, right, in the sense that the train has to go from the start to the end, and the end is shitloads of cash station. And it has to go through a series of stations. And the first station is market orientation. That's where marketing begins. Market orientation is an incredible mind fuck. And so what market orientation is, is the realization that you are not the customer. You will never be the customer. The minute you sign your contract to join a company, you'll never be able to see what your product or service or advertising looks like. You can't listen to your podcast and ever appreciate it as a listener would because you produce it. Once you know that, you're market oriented. Most Australian marketers don't know that. 
they look at their ads and respond to them in terms of what they think, whether it's good or bad. You have no opinion. You need to have cold blood in your veins to do proper marketing, right? So stage one is, I know, I know nothing. Literally, you sort of have to break down a marketer. When you do that, stage two is obvious. It's research. We do research because we don't know anything. Yeah? Qual and quant research builds a picture of the market, the customer, how they decide what they want, what they don't want, what the segments are. We, you know, we understand and structure them. We build a map of the market. Right? Often people say, oh, customers don't know what they want. They definitely don't know what they want, but they'll tell you a whole bunch of shit can guide you towards building what they want. Right? So when we finish our research, we can segment the market. Segmentation has got nothing to do with the company. It's about the market. I've just spent the morning working for an uh, accounting firm doing a segmentation for them. One of the things I said to them is, if your competitor on the other side of the street was doing this, they should, in theory, come up with the same segmentation. We're all looking at the mountain. We're not climbing it yet. You know what I mean? So you build a good segmentation of the whole market, not just who you want to target, the whole market, and now you're ready for strategy. Targeting is who do we want to go after among those segments. Positioning then is how do I want to position my product or service to that target segment and what objectives do I have? So that's the strategy piece. And then so positioning is in relation to competitors? Partly. Positioning is in relation to three things. It's called the three C's. When you position anything, you position first of all to customer. What does a customer really want? That's, the, that's, that's your North Star, right? What do they really want, right? When I launched Mini MBA, what they really wanted was confidence, right? Position on confidence. But you also talk to customers because they tell you who the competition is. We don't know who the competition is, right? When you talk to customers, they'll tell you. They won't use the competition word. They'll, they'll talk about alternatives. And what, what's fascinating is most companies don't know who their competitors are because it changes with each different segment. And they're often not the companies that the company thinks they're competing with. So, yeah, your positioning is who you're going after, what do they want, who are the competition alternatives? How do we position against them? And then finally, the company see, what do we offer? Can we deliver on this? You know what I mean? Is it possible? And a lot of the problems with brand purposes, the companies doing it aren't legitimate, right? So I'm looking for the things that the customer wants that I can deliver better than or different from the competition. Yeah? If I can find two or three of those things, we're going to make some money. And, and the overlay is what they say the value proposition is? Here's where it gets my practical knowledge beats the marketing vocabulary. Positioning is what a business school professor would call it. Consultants might call it a value proposition, brand attributes, brand DNA, uh, brand associations, brand character. It all means the same fucking thing. And one of the things I do with my clients is I say, I don't care what you call it. Call it magic moonbeams, but you've got three brain cells in your target customer's head. What are the three things you want to drop into their head? But don't give me, as every client that's bad has, a brand personality, a brand purpose, brand character, a value proposition, brand flavor, tone of voice. They have these giant decks, and it becomes like throwing shit against a wall and nothing will stick. Tightness. You know, I've, I've done the brand positioning of many billion-dollar brands globally. I did Sephora with the team, for example, in France. We got it down to four things, yeah? If we can get a $10 billion company down to four things you can do it with most brands four is much harder than 20 so a good position is pretty tight yeah 
So if I've got my targets and my position and then a few clear objectives about either driving awareness or repeat purchase or consideration, I've got myself a strategy. Do you think, like, you know, what we're talking about now is the, you called it a sequence and you're right, 100%. You know, we are a podcast agency now. We sit down with customers and we go, we're going to take you through this sequence and so on. But, but I find that, and, and I'd love to get your opinion because you would have seen both of the sides, but companies use this wrong. And it's kind of what you were saying before where it's like there's all this fluff and you need the fluff, but you shouldn't use it. Right, like it's the process of getting yeah. to the eye. Though you know, like you kind of talked about those two or three things, and it's really about identifying those. You're right. The process becomes God at some point, and what we get is the McKinsey Bain systematic but empty approach. Right, where all we're doing is ticking box. Positioning is the perfect example. Most brands have a brand positioning book, yeah, or presentation, which has seven or ten slides with at least 45 words in it, because the marketers think they're doing the right thing, because they followed the process. Or you've got a brand purpose, I'll have that too. Or you've got a value proposition, I'll add that as well. When in reality, the purpose is working against the whole point of positioning, which is when, what is the point of positioning? It's not an end in itself. The point of positioning is what I get my customer to think, what I want them to think when they think about my brand. Done but you've got to be 55, have a PhD, 100 years of experience to have the confidence to go, no, we don't need all that shit. doesn't matter what you call it. Tight, let's work on that, and then let's move, move forward to your point. It's easy for me to say it now, at this end of my career, you know, you don't have the confidence in the early stages to go, ooh, I think we should probably have this as well. So you end up doing too much. Strategy, ultimately, remember, is what we don't do. It's about making choices. So less is definitely always more. Yeah. And, and obviously with the sequence as well, getting the first part wrong, you know, you talked about orientation. You got it. Will almost, ev- you know, inevitably kind of, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're at sequence, the part of the sequence seven, if you get the first one wrong. You got it. You're fucked. An- you're fucked. And, and I, I teach, I have a marketing exam at the end of the mini MBA in marketing where you have to build a brand, a marketing plan for a fictional company. And the first part of the exam is to build a segmentation and I say to them it's only worth 20% of the exam but also if you fuck it up you're going to get zero for the rest of the exam. See what I mean? And they go well that's not fair and I go no that's exactly what it's like. Do you think like and this is just me I mean you're going to I think you're going to understand this and, and have the, the data and the research there uh, and we're probably going to get more into this a little bit later on as well but like removing the product from mind at the very beginning you know orientation yes just getting rid of it yes and then do you think that helps a lot because I've found that since I've started to do that even just with people we're building podcasts for is like you know because like you know we might be working with a corporate company and they've got this product and then they think they attach themselves to this product yes. instead of just going what am I, what's my customer going to what are they interested you're, you're in totally right in theory the marketing process doesn't if you notice we haven't mentioned product yet see what I mean so in theory, this process, we haven't even, product comes next, next down the line. In theory, at least, what we should be doing is starting with the market and the need. Now, in practice, that doesn't happen. I think in a 100 gigs, one of them, I didn't have a product to begin with, right? You always end up with a product from Switzerland, or it's already done, right? Or it's year two when we're moving around. But the ability, to, to your point, to drop it and put it down and look at the customers, 
Because ultimately, the thing that, you know, when you do that market orientation switch, the, the biggest lesson of all is no one gives a fuck about your brand, right? You do because you work on it for eight hours a day and it's your pension and it's your success and it's your ego. But it's just a fucking toothpaste, man, to everyone else, right? Amazingly, marketers are blown away by that, yeah? So the thing you get more than anything else from market orientation is you don't fucking matter. And no one remembers you, yeah? So if you look at how branding has changed in the last 10 years, the biggest discovery is salience. And salience simply means, does my brand come to mind when you need it in a buying situation? Every marketer who isn't market orientation goes, well, of course, you know, our brand's super famous. Thinks, yeah, because they, they're assuming everyone's like them and they spend eight hours a day working in the brand. What you learn from market orientation is, nah, if you aren't continually reinforcing it, and aiming for salience all the time, you will lose out tremendously. And it's even worse than that. Most of the research now tells us B2B, B2C, doesn't matter. If your brand pops into a head of a customer first, they will rationalize reasons why it's the one to buy. So, you know, when I used to teach brand management, it was have brand awareness, gateway variable, the consumer knows I exist. Now, what do I stand for? This is the important bit, right? It's the wrong way around. Most of it, the reptile brain is which brand comes to mind. Now I'm going to fucking make up a whole bunch of reasons why I'm going to buy that when it's just mostly brute salience driving the purchase. And that's a very big change in how we do things. And it changes how marketers should do things. Most marketers are too uh, risk averse. You know, they're too worried about, oh, this might not be right for my brand. The image might be wrong. And it's like, listen, it doesn't really matter that much. Most important thing is, it's me, it's me. Hey, 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 it's me again. Hey, 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 it's me. I mean, I've done atrocious things in my career, right, to get fame and, and build my brand. I wrote an article about my ass and got influencers to say it was a work of art, yeah, to demonstrate how influence marketing was a lot of bullshit with a big picture of my ass in the, in the article, you know. I've done a talk about um, brand measurement where I've discussed measuring penises as a metaphor for it. Both of these things went down incredibly badly, by the way, right? And do I regret doing them? Probably. But the single goal I have is trade on taste, trade on perfection in order to be, it's me, it's me, notice me, it's me. Because I know that's how the game is played. You know what I mean? Mm. First, they must know it's you. If they don't know that, everything's off. So your point about, you know, put down the product is key to partly get the right orientation, but also because it enables you to realize, oh, my product isn't that important. It isn't the center of my customer's world. That's a great place to start marketing, you know.